This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You got that? We got that? We're good to go. Okay, so today was Rachel Yemenu's yard site. There's, a, there's an unbelievable Medjish Rabbah in the Psichta Chavdalid in, um, in Eicha that says the following. So it's talking about, um, they called Abraham Avinu, they called Yitzchak Avinu to go down in front of Hashem to stop the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash on Tisha B'Av. And um, pretty much it didn't work. Pasach Yitzchak, with Brother Shalom, he said, I was on the Akeda, I put out my neck, and you won't have pity on my children, Yaakov Avinu. 20 years, I was in base love on, ace of a Russia tried to kill me, um, and I went through the tzai of bringing up children, I was always in pain, I lost Yosef, you're not going to have pity on my children? No. But Shabbat said, wasn't I a Raya Nemon, wasn't I a good shepherd? 40 years in the Midbar, and Hashem didn't listen to him. So what happened, even though she wasn't called, this is what the Medjish Rabbah says, Ba'ayse Shah, at that moment, Kafsa Rachel Yimeinu of Nekash Baruch Hu, Rachel Yimeinu jumped, jumped, she wasn't called, but she jumped on her own, in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ba'amran, she said, Ribayna Shalaylam, God, Golay Lufanecha, it is revealed before you, Shiyakov Avdacha Ahavani Avayusera. Yaakov, your servant, loved me with a great love. And he worked for my father for seven years. When the seven years were up, he gives my Nisiela Bali when I'm supposed to I'm supposed to marry my husband. Yat Avi, my father decided, Lava decided to switch me. For my sister. So, I'm very much in... I had a long discussion, and I think it's going to be what really I'm going to talk about tonight. So we had this whole vikuach, this whole discussion this week in my office, got pretty hot on bringing up children. And, and, and you know, there's, there's, there's the... In fact, there's, a, there's an article in the Yated, I don't want to get into the whole article because I didn't read what the rabbi wrote la- the week before, but this week there was a whole article in the Yated that some rabbi wrote that the reason some big person in, in, in Chinuch wrote that the reason that kids go off the derech is because parents and rabbeim are not nice. That's what he wrote. So all the readers who wrote in to the who wrote it to the editor were of course fighting with each other. And uh what do you mean rabbis are not nice and the parents are not nice? What does that mean? What is nice? What isn't nice? And um I can tell you that that's the wrong word and that I know a lot of parents that are very nice and their kids are still to derach. And I know a lot of parents that are really not nice. And your kids are tzaddikim, the best kids in the world. So, um, it's going to get me into a lot of trouble, but okay. Um, I feel, personally, I think I have a right to have an opinion, because I am teaching children for 36 years, 
So it's not an opinion that's based on what I read or what I heard. Um, I'm, I'm not a principal and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a in the classroom Rebbe. So I'm talking from, from experience. I, Baruch Hashem, I'm a parent and a grandparent. So I, I have a little experience with kids. And I have experience with boys and non-from boys and yes-from boys and, and kids off the derech and kids on the derech and Baruch Hashem, this Chabura in this room, this Chabura is already almost 15 years old. So I have a right, I think I have a right to say what, I, what I'm about to say. So there are, there are a lot of therapists and educators um, who very much believe that the way to bring up Jewish children um, and the way to bring up our, the generation that we have now is only through being nice. And that, and that you can't criticize your children. And our discussion was about hitting. And um, I'm, not, I'm not telling you you should go home and beat your kids. It's not what I'm saying. But I do think there's a time that sometimes a kid has to get a, a patch. And it got really, in, in, our, in, our, in our office, it got really hot because there are, there are teachers out there and, and people that are mechanchim and leading our generation when it comes to kids. And, I mean, you're never allowed to hit your kid, ever. So I said, you know, if a kid crosses the street, a two-year-old kid crosses the street, right, and God forbid a car just misses him, or he crosses the street without holding on to anyone's hand, it's a very good time to hit him. Because he has to understand, you want to save his life, he has to understand that, that if you go into the street, you're going to get a patch. Because you can't explain to a two-year-old kid, what was the car, and it's traveling 50 miles an hour, and he's not going to understand that. He'll understand that, step into the street without holding somebody's hand, it's going to hurt. And I don't see, in my opinion, and in my experience, I don't see that that two-year-old child is going to grow up and hate you because you hit him when he went into the street and almost got himself killed. Or even didn't get himself killed, but he went into the street without anybody holding his hand. I think, I feel, that if a child curses his mother, says, blank you, that, and his father is standing there, that kid needs to get a smack. Because you can't curse your mother. And I'm not angry. You can't say, well, you lost control because I cursed you. You didn't curse me. I didn't lose control. You didn't curse me. I'm not angry. You didn't, you didn't say anything to me. You said something to your mother. You have to know you open your mouth, you say a four-letter word to your mother, it's going to hurt. Now, I, you know, I was brought up by a soldier, an American soldier. And, and I think that there is a time... Not often, and not out of anger, and not out of frustration, there is a time that a child has to sometimes have a patch. And, 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 it's, and it's a good patch. It's a loving patch. It's a kid's crossing the street. He needs to know it's going to hurt. Because nothing, I mean, again, will other things work? I don't know. But if he already stepped into the street, that means that the other stuff didn't work. Because you told him not to go into the street, and he went into the street anyway. So I, I think that there's that that the generation has to understand that there's a time and place for everything, but there is a time and place for everything, and you can't just say that a kid should never ever get a patch, because there are certain things that just the, the child needs to know that that, that 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 will cause pain. I would rather that the child gets a patch 
and, is, and, he, and he feels pain, then God forbid he gets hit by a car. That hurts a lot more. It hurts a lot more. And it could kill you. So, so I did some research. And uh, could you do me a favor? Could you get me a... Um, give me a Rambam Hilchis Kibbut of the Aim, please. And um, so, so this rabbi writes this whole thing about about kids go off to Dera because you're not nice. And you have to always be nice. No, you don't have to always be nice. The Torah is not based on nice. Um, the Arma Mises Bezdin, if you commit adultery, right, or if you machal Shabbos, that you get stoned, and that you get burnt, and that you get chenek, choked, and that you get hereg, killed, right, that's not nice. So if... If the Torah is supposed to be nice, everyone has to be nice, why doesn't Hashem have to be nice? I mean, why did the rabbi say, Hashem, you can't punish us. Malchus, getting whipped 39 times on your back, right? Marcus Mardis, where you get hit, you don't want to put on filming, so they whip you until you say, right, Tani? Until you finally say, okay, I'll do it. That's nice. So they're going to answer... It's a different generation. That's the therapy world. And that's the whole, these kids can't handle it. And it's a different generation. So then you're already a reformed Jew in my eyes. Once you make that move, I don't know if anyone here read the book from Rabbi Vigna Miller on the Holocaust that he just came out with. So so Rabbi Vigna Miller, when he died, they found a book that he didn't want written while he was alive. Well, they found, it wasn't written while he was alive. And it writes the reason for the Holocaust. You have to read the book. He gives a reason for the Holocaust. The Holocaust survivors are not so happy with the book because the Maise, he writes how the world was becoming totally, totally reformed Judaism, the Haskalah movement, and that had Hashem not done the Holocaust, there would be no Jews left today. And it's a hard thing to accept. But he writes it, and, and he, 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 the whole Haskalah movement, reformed Jew, the whole movement, you, you have to buy this book. It's very important to read this book, by the way, to get an understanding. That whole movement is based on that you have to be, you have, that, that it's a different generation, and, and the old generation lived in the dark, in the dark ages with all these mitzvahs in the Torah, and now you have to be enlightened, you have to go to college, and you have to be enlightened. And they all became enlightened and they stopped keeping kosher and, and everything else and they, they mamish stopped learning Torah and they went off to Derek. You cannot say that our Torah was written for a period of time. It was written forever. And you cannot say that the Torah was just written for them. And you know what? If you're going to go there and you're going to say that, yeah, they used to be not nice. Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock. That was ding. And then he spoke to the rock. He was supposed to speak to the rock. Hashem wanted to say, there's a time to be nice, talk to the rock, and there's a time to give a whack. There's a time to hit the rock. The first time Hashem said, hit the rock. The second time Hashem said, talk to the rock. If when you're supposed to talk to the child, you hit him, it's a disaster. That's what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. But on the first time, when Hashem told him to hit the rock, if he would have spoken to the rock, it would have been the same disaster. So you can't say that the Torah... It was given, you know, for those days, for those times. You know, I always talk about that Moshe Rabbeinu was a shepherd, and David Amalek was a shepherd, and the Shifte Kav were shepherds. I talk about this all the time. So you can't, you can't take a bunch of Beis Yaakov girls, put them in a classroom, and say that anyone who goes to work, right, 
anyone who goes to work is not a Ben Torah, and he's off the derech, and he's bad, and all these girls are thinking like, oh, my father's bad because he's working, right? Then you're saying, anyone who goes to work, Moshe Rabbeinu went to work, so he's bad? If, if Beisakov was in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, you would say he's bad? And the shift they caught were bad? And Yaakov Avinu, who worked for 20 years, was bad? Oh, so what's the answer? Those were different days. No, what, what does that mean, those different days? Just the opposite. Moshe Rabbeinu, he was in a much holier days. He should have been learning. And Yaakov Avinu was, 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 should have been, you can't find it? Right? Should, should have been, should have been learning. So you, you're never allowed to say the Torah was, otherwise, let me say, so Lama Tesmolachus, he's sitting in class, and they're like, Lama Tesmolachus, so you can't make fire, and you can't weave, and you can't do all the stuff they did in the base of Migdash. I was in times of basic just making fire, and you have to take two flint rocks, and it was a gun mice, and it was and it was work. Today it's a match, so it's different days. So you should be able to light a fire on Shabbos. And the weaving, right? They did with handmade machines. Today you have a weaving machine. You push a pot in, and it weaves. Once you start saying right, so that so manishtana. So that was for those days when when work was much harder. Today we have machines. You flip on a light. It's not lighting a candle. It's not fire. So why can't I do it? So the whole reform Judaism is when you start saying to people, you start teaching kids, and you're telling them, well, yeah, that's that, that, those were those days, but now it's different. It's not different. And when the Rambam says hit them and hug them, right? It means hit them and hug them. It doesn't mean for the Rambam's generation hit them. It doesn't mean hit them. Beat them up. It means that before, hug them and hit them actually, that before you criticize someone, you have to love them. They have to know, you can't, you can't just walk into a room, right, like, they ask me all the time to go to girls' schools and talk about sneers, right? First of all, as a man, I'm not so comfortable talking about sneers, but they like my approach to, 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 uh, to sneers. So they, and I say, how can I walk into a class, to a girls' school? I don't know the girls, I don't have a relationship with them, and, and I'm coming in there and I'm just bashing? I'm not going to be your basher. You want me to be your hammer? What you don't want to say, you want me to say? I don't have a right to say it. The Rambam says, hug them. It's a first relationship. The person has to say, this person cares about me. If you care about me, then you have a right to tell me what to do. If you don't care about me, and that, that's why a lot of... I just had the whole, this whole discussion today. A, a lot of kids feel that... This is a very big problem. They feel that the religion to their parents is more important than them. So, 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 so kids will ask, kids who are off the derech sometimes, will ask their father and mother, do you really want me to be dead? Because I'm a Chal Shabbos and I eat treif. And, and if, I, if you found out I got hit by a car today, you would say, Baruch Dayan Emes, Baruch Hashem, you stopped doing a virus. Wouldn't you say that? Mm-hmm. Right? And, 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 and the parents are like, uh, and they're like, see? You see? It's more important to you that I wear a white shirt and that I wear a long skirt. It's more important to you than, than, than me. I'm not important to you. The religion is more important to you. And the parents have to explain to them, no, you're the most important thing to me, but the religion is also important. Doesn't, doesn't mean that religion is more important. How do you know that? Because at the end of the day, if you were sick on Shabbos, I have to be Mechal Shabbos, right? I have to be Mechal Shabbos to keep you alive. So what's more important? The religion or your life? The Torah is telling us that your children's life is more important than the whole Torah. And then on Yom Kippur, if someone can't fast, and the doctor says, you can't fast, it's a mitzvah to eat as much as it's a mitzvah to fast. I know someone that went to my Rebbe, Rabbi Gamliel, and the doctor who was giving him medicine for his heart, you know, he was having a big fight with him. He was like, one day I won't take my medicine. And Rabbi Gamliel said, 
that for you to take your medicine, since there's a mitzvah in the Torah that you have to live, the mitzvah on your kippur is to take your medicine. And if you don't take your medicine, you're even not say b'chaimahem. So it's not, not, it's not a heter, it's a mitzvah. So we see that God, to God, and I told this to a girl today, I said, to God, you're more important than his whole Torah. Not true. Not true. I said, yes, true. He tells you that everything in the Torah you can break, except for three cardinal sins, right? You can break. To, um, and, if you, and, and if you break those, you're not over the the three cardinal sins. If you, you're not supposed to break them, but if you break them, you're not over, right? So at the end of the day, Hashem is saying, if you're dying, eat pig. So it's more important to him that you, that you should be alive. You can be Machal Shabbos. You can do every Avera, except for the three. If a person's life's in danger, if a, a, not only that, I was telling her, I was like, forget about, just to show you how God, because they have this feeling like, like, I'm not, I'm not important, just God only cares about my religion. The answer is no. He cares more about you than the religion, because at the end of the day, you, he allows you to break every part of the religion that you should be alive. So what's, so he's very clearly in the Torah telling you that your life is more important to him than your Torah. He's letting you be Mechal Shabbos. He's letting you eat treif. He's letting you eat on Yom Kippur. Anything that puts your life in danger, right, except those three, those three cardinal sins, anything that puts your life in danger, you're allowed to break. So he's telling you that you are more important to him than your, than the Torah. So why, why do you feel that, that, you know, why do you feel that he doesn't, that he doesn't care about you? He just cares about his religion. So, so a parent has to, has to tell that to the children, has to say, at the end of the day, your life is the most important thing to me. If you have to eat trafe to be alive, then you have to eat trafe to be alive. So, so, and my parents don't say that. They're like, um, well, I don't really, I don't really know what I would rather. It's not a question what you'd rather. Allah is, the Torah tells you what you'd rather. You would rather that they be alive. So, so if you, if you look at the Torah, you see that, because Baruch was saying, I love you, I, it's the most important thing for me, is that you should be alive. And, and if you have to break my Torah for it, it's a mitzvah. There's a whole thing about Chilu Shabbos, there's a whole machlekes, a huge machlekes. If, if, if let's say a person has to be Machal Shabbos, let's say he's, he has to be Machal Shabbos because he's sick, or whatever it is. So is it a, is it a Chilu Shabbos with a heter? In other words, is it a Chilul Shabbos? Actually, it was part of a, a, a whole a whole shekel that I just heard. Is it is it Chilul Shabbos with a heter? In other words, I'm being Mechal Shabbos, but I'm a lot of for, there's someone who's sick, and I have to light a fire for him. So I'm being Mechal Shabbos with a heter, or I'm not being Mechal Shabbos because I have a mitzvah to light the fire for him to keep him alive. And the whole thing comes in. The whole topol is about bris. Is bris when you cut him, when you cut the child, you make him bleed on. Is that is that a chilo, Is that a heter? Right? Is it mechal shabbos with a heter, or it's not mechal shabbos at all? And there's different proofs and rias to to uh, to you know what what it is. But there's no question that a person's life, even a bris mila, the Gemara says that if. Um, if you have two children and you give them a bris meal and they're hemophiliacs and they bleed out and they die, or three children I think, and they die, then the rest of your children you're not allowed to give a bris meal to. So even a bris meal, Hashem says pass if, it's, if, it's, if it puts their life if it puts their life in danger. Listen, the kid on the eighth day is yellow, we don't do a bris meal. So, so, so it's, it's a part of Judaism that nobody thinks about. 
you know, everyone's right, right away like, you know, like God doesn't love us, our parents don't love us, it's all rules and rules. No, the number one rule in Torah is your life. I'll tell you something I came up with, with, with I went to Rev. David Feinstein on. So, for some reason, with all the money that the Jews have, there's no rehab for girls. There's no Jewish rehab for girls. There's Lubavitch in, in, in L.A. for boys. There's two other places for boys in Florida. But if you have a Jewish girl that's on drugs, we have to send her to the Mormons, to the Christians, to some very bad places, and all these places serve pork. And there's no Jewish rehab. So, the question is like this. Now, if I have a girl, she's a drunk or a boy. She's an alcoholic. She drinks all the time. She gets drunk. She's Shemitari Mitzvah. She keeps Shabbos. She eats kosher. She sneers. She's a very firm girl, but she gets drunk. Right? She's in pain. She drinks every night. Or a guy. Same case, right? Do I send them to rehab? Because... I'm going to send them to rehab. In rehab, they're going to serve him pork. He's going to do Averis with girls. Um, it's a non-Jewish place. He'll probably come out. He'll definitely be Mechal Shabbos. He probably will come out, right, a clean guy. Right? He's going to come out clean, but he's not going to be Jewish anymore. What do I do? Let him be drunk. So I went to have double Feinstein, and I said... What does pikuach nefesh mean? The word pikuach nefesh means that his soul is at risk. So, aren't I better just letting him be a drunk the rest of his life and let him keep all the mitzvahs than than than, than having a uh, what's the word when you're when you're not drunk? You, um, sober. Sober. What's better, a drunk Jew or a sober guy? What's your double fine? I asked him. I didn't want to send this girl. It's going to the Mormons. It's going to come out a Mormon. But she's going to come out sober. So what do I do? So he said, it's very nice that you're using the word pikuach nefesh. It sounds like the soul is right, so it's better. He says, but that's just the drusha that you're saying. The truth is, halacha is you have to save her life. And even if she's going to come out a sober guy, you have to save her life. So to God, it's more important that the Jewish person that he has a, that he lives than all the other stuff. Now, I said, what's that based on? So he said that that she's going to be an alcoholic. She's going to her liver, whatever. She's going to end up killing herself. She's a drug addict. She's going to not killing herself suicide, but she's going to kill herself through the drugs and the, and the alcoholism. And this way, you're right. She might come out that way. But now we have someone that's alive and she makes have a good life. And maybe she'll come back to Yiddishkeit. But the most important thing to Hashem is life. So no kid can turn around and say, your Judaism is more important than my life. Hashem says, no, my Judaism is not more important than your life because you can be machal of all my Judaism when it comes to saving a person's life. The Kayin Gadol, the Kayin Gadol, I'll tell you what Rabbi Gamliel told my, my wife. So I was in Eric Stroh for the whole circus, that's why I wasn't here. So, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel said it, and Rabbi Galai, Rabbi Shimon Galai, who's a huge tzaddik, huge tzaddik. I hope one day I can bring him here. You just look at his face. He's a huge tzaddik. 
They both said this. So my wife, my wife said to them, you know, my, my husband's phone was always ringing and it's always emergencies and emergency. He has no life, right? Two o'clock at night, three o'clock in the morning. He has no, and, and what's his chiv? She said to him, does he have to get up at two? Does he have to answer all these phone calls? Does he have to, I mean, let somebody else do it. You know, let someone else do it. Why does he have to do it? This was her question to my rabbi, to Rabbi Gamal. We all answer Rabbi Gamal. I want you to tell you, they both answered the same thing. You know what they answered? He said, a Jewish child that's in trouble, um, he said, is a mace mitzvah. What's a mace mitzvah? If a Kayan Gadol is on his way to the base Hamikdash, Yom Kippur for Yom Kippur to do the Avodah, and he's walking through a field, and there's a dead body, and there's nobody around, and it's laying on top of the earth, and there's nobody around. Allah is that he has to make himself tummy, and he has to bury that body. Can't do the Avodah on Yom Kippur anymore. He's tummy. Why can't he say the way I found this body? Someone else will find this body, right? Walk around it, and okay, I walked it. Someone in, in two hours from now, or two days, or whatever it is, someone else can find the body and bury it. But how lucky is you can't say that because being that you're the only one there, you can't depend on anyone. When it comes to a mitzvah, when it comes to burying somebody, right? You can't. This is what he said. He's got his chagadol, and and this is for everyone here. Has to hear this. It's very important. He said, when it comes to burying someone. You can't wait for someone else to come along and bury them. Surely when it comes to saving someone, you can't wait for someone else. To bury a dead body, okay, so the dead body will be out there for another two hours. What's going to be the end of the world? He said, I'll surely, a clean gado has to give up the Avodah Yom Kippur to bury a mace mitzvah and a person who's dealing with a live person doesn't have to stop and not depend on anybody else. That was it. She had no more question. There was, there, was no, there was no discussion. He says, if you see a child, a Jewish child, that's suffering and going through hard times, it's a mace mitzvah. You can't say, okay, I don't have time for this. Rabbi Wallace, you'll take it. I have time. Someone else will come along. I, I don't know. It's a mace mitzvah. A dead person you have to help. For surely a live person you have to help. It's godless. It's godless. So let's, I went off the subject a little bit. I don't see in the Torah nice. I don't see in the Torah, I see there are times, I, I don't see in the Torah that you have to be nice, right? You, you, you have to say what you have to say. You know, it's, it's not nice when someone, and I say this all the time, you know, I, I, we were playing football once and this poor kid, he dislocated his shoulder. You should never know from a dislocated shoulder. The whole, the whole bone is like sticking out. It's like, it's terrible, right? And it's like, mama's terrible and the kid, the rhythm pain, right? Now to pop a shoulder back the way the doctor does it, they just take the arm and they make one motion and it pops back in. Ooh, but it hurts for that second. Ooh, does it hurt for that second, right? So the doctor's like, I don't want to hurt you. I'm not popping it back in. I don't want to hurt you. I want to be nice. I'm going to buy you ice cream and some cake and we're going to go on a ride and we're going to talk and we're going to buy you music. Hello get my arm back in place. Not always, sometimes, sometimes, not, sometimes nice is, is not nice. Nice is very bad. Nice is very mean. Sometimes nice is very mean. Sometimes you have to, when you don't tell somebody uh, the way it's at, the, 
you, you, you don't help them, you don't tell them what's wrong, then in the end they can't be great. So you have to tell somebody when they're wrong, you have to tell them they're wrong. And, 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 and our generation, you can't, you're not allowed to tell a kid that he's wrong. So, so he, everything is right, everything is nice. And, and my, my proof of the pudding, I'm, I'm a businessman. And at the end of the day, the generation that I come from, we got, we got overbeat, okay? They beat us much too much. Okay, they were, they beat you for, they, they hit us for no reason. And, and nobody took pills, and therapists had no business. There was no therapist when I was growing up, and nobody took medicine, and there was no Prozac, and we didn't walk around feeling sorry for ourselves, and we all worked, and nobody gave us iPods, and nobody took us to Florida for Pesach, and there was no cocoon for Pesach. Now you think about Wallstein's very, being very mean. I, I'm just a very factual, logical person. And in the whole Yeshiva Spring Valley, there was maybe one kid that went off the derech. I don't even know if there was one kid that went off the derech. So, 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 therapists will tell you, you were much tougher. Why was I much tougher? I didn't go for the Holocaust. Why was I much tougher? I was a kid like anybody else. So, so, so what we're doing is we're babying our children and we're making them very soft. And then we're putting them in a world, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody's depressed, and everybody's vacation every two weeks, and everybody's changing jobs every three weeks, and nobody's happy, and everyone has an iPhone 5, and everybody has the latest movies, and the latest music, and the latest cars, and the latest everything, and nobody's happy, and everyone's going to therapists talking about how not happy they are! And what they need to change and help me. I'm not happy with my marriage. I'm not happy with my job. I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy with the world. I'm depressed. I hate everything. I don't like anybody. And we just keep them giving them and giving them and giving them and giving them. We're being very nice. We're being very nice. And, 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 and what are we getting? At the end of the day, nobody's telling them what's wrong and nobody's helping them. And, and we think that we're helping them in this generation. We're not helping them because the product, I'm a product guy. I'm a product guy. See if the product works. You want to sell me something? Want me to invest in your business? Let me see your product. So, so there's a guy that helps me with my school. He said, when I first took him to BCA, I took him to the high school, and he heard all the problems. He said to me, I'm not giving you money. I'm like, well, are you kidding me? Do you hear what these girls went through? He said, that's right. That's the raw material. What are you doing with it? Show me product. I see how they come into your school. I, when I first opened my school, I, didn't gra- I had no graduates. So he says, until you have graduates... He's a very smart guy, very wealthy guy. He's like, I'm not giving you a penny. I'm like, what do you mean you're not giving me a penny? Did you hear what they went through? He goes, yeah, that's, that's the raw material. How do I know you know what you're doing? I'm not investing in this. First graduating class, I want to meet the girls. Then we'll talk business. So after they graduated, I took them out to dinner with him, the graduates. I said, okay, you saw the more raw material? Here's the product. And he spoke to them. And he said, you have a product. And he gave me a big check. And we have a seminary college. And now we have the product going, you know, into college where, where today there was someone that came to see the, 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 the seminary. I have reports from the Board of Ed, from schools, on girls that say, this girl has mild retardation. Now, this girl that they wrote this about, who was put in an equal program, put with people that had very low IQs, this girl right now, same girl, is in college, right, majoring in psychology for her bachelor's, 
and has a 3.9. And I have the paper that says she's mildly retarded. And if the, the high school didn't exist and the seminary college didn't exist, this girl, we would have been nice. Would have been nice. You're mildly retarded. We're going to modify your program. We don't expect anything from you. And they wrote, if she's able to graduate, this is what they wrote, she's able to graduate 12th grade high school with the ability to write a paragraph in English, a paragraph. That would be an accomplishment. She's writing six papers a week. So you think it would have been nice if we would have said, oh, yeah, you're slightly retarded. That's what the Board of Ed said. You're modified. Sit in the corner drawer. Maybe you'll be a little bit artistic. And she would go through life and she'd be a nobody. It would have been very nice. But we pushed her. And we said, there's no slightly retarded. You're going to work. And we're going to we're gonna tutor you. And we're going to P3 you. And we're going to work. And we're going to work. And we're going to work. And if at the end, you can't do it, we'll back off. And today... And one day she's going to be a psychologist telling everyone to be nice. <laughs> you got to push. You got to push. You got to push your kids. You got to know your kids. Okay? You got to push them in the right direction. Doesn't mean, people translate it mean, oh, he can't. So leave him alone. Listen to the words. Chanoch, Hanar. Right? Teach the child Alpidarko according to his derech, his way. He's a doctor, he's a therapist, he's a, he's a, whatever, he wants to be a rebbe, whatever his derech is. But don't back off and not teach him. Don't say, oh, he's nebuch, he's a nebuch. Don't wear the nebuch badge. You used to always make fun of the kids like, I'm a nebuch, come on. Can I get a, can I get a ticket to Disneyland? How about a new suit? You know, I'm a nebuch guy. Don't make our kids into nebuchs. Our kids are not nebuchs. Every kid in this generation has the same potential as I had in my generation. There's no difference. I don't believe that God is bringing stupid children into the world. Okay? I don't believe that. I believe that the IQ is maybe higher in this generation than in my generation. And and the technology, the understanding, I don't understand computers. 12-year-old kids... They're, they're already in NASA. They can, they can launch, they can launch rocket ships. They can break codes. They can get into the, into the Pentagon. I shouldn't say that I'm thinking they're going to get phone calls from the FBI, right? But I'm saying, but they're, they're brilliant kids. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that when I was 12 years old. No way. No way. So don't tell me that the kid that we have today is, is, is dumber and, and, and softer. What does it mean he's softer? What does it mean he's softer? You're making him soft. The football player of today is not softer than the football player of 20 years ago. What do you mean he's softer? We're not softer. Human beings are not softer. So, so we're, we're destroying. We're telling our kids. So, so, so this rabbi wrote an article about that, you know. So the kids are going up to there because you're not nice. What is nice? The doctor telling you you're okay when you're sick and he doesn't give you medicine? That's nice? That's nice? That's evil. He takes a strep culture. It comes out positive, And you don't like swallowing pills. So he tells you it was negative. So you start suffering and getting even sicker. That's nice. That's an evil doctor. 
a parent has to tell their child when they're doing something wrong. And if a child crosses the street and he's two years old or he's three years old and he crosses the street and he goes into a street and next time who knows what's going to be in that street, he has a, a good patch. So that his head says, street, ow, I'm not going in there. And he opens his mouth and he curses his mother in front of his father. Hakeshinov. You don't open your mouth to your mother ever again like that. And if you do, it's going to hurt. He won't. You explain to him. Well, it's your mother, and it's not really nice. And um, what do they give him private time? Go to your room, right? The kid's like, great. I got my i five. I got my, my 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 iPad. I got my my. And he's sitting in his room. He's like, I just cursed my mother, and now I'm watching a great movie. Like great punishment, right? Sometimes, again, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack on this, but this is the way I believe that a person should bring up a children. You should not hit your kids. But there are times in life that, yeah, that sometimes a kid needs a punch. You need to hug your kids a lot, but sometimes, and, and sometimes a hug is the wrong thing. And sometimes a punch is the wrong thing. So you, you have to know when to and when not to. And I think that's the problem. We tell them never, never. And there are times that, yeah, and there are times that Kishbosh gives us a patch. There are times that Kishbosh has to get a patch. And we've gotten a lot of patches. So you want to tell me God's not nice? Because if he didn't give us the patch, we wouldn't be around anymore. So yeah, so there's Arben Mises Bezdin, and there's, 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 there's Gehenim, which nobody ever wants to talk about, which I don't talk about because I, I don't want a person to, to serve Kishbosh because, because of he's scared that he's going to go into a fire. But, if I don't tell you that there is a fire, then when you go into the fire, you're going to say, where did this come from? I never knew about it. So a good father will tell the child that if you go down that road, you need to know that if you go down that road, you're going to get burned. You can put your finger in that outlet. You're going to get a shock. You think a parent's really good when he sees his kid playing with the outlet, and he's like, you shouldn't do that. It's like, it's really bad. Right? You can tell your kids, you put your finger in there, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, it's, it's, you're gonna burn. And if, and if it, if a kid's putting his hand on the heat, and, and he's about to get a burn, you're not gonna slap his hand away, you're just gonna talk to him? You're gonna say, I don't think that's a really good idea, and then he's gonna put his hand on and burn his hand? You're not gonna let your kid put your hand, his hand on the steam and burn his hand, you're gonna slap it away. So there are certain times that you, that, that you have to slap it away. Because, because that little child, that, per, that person, if you're going to just wait around and let him put his finger on the fire, now you have a burnt hand. Don't you think a kid would rather have a little bit of pain on his hand that's going to go away in two minutes and Chatzashom have a burnt hand? So we had this whole discussion, and, and of course the younger generation was vehemently arguing with me and giving me a very hard time and wrote me all kinds of riots from Rabbi Wolby. I didn't read it. I didn't read the riots. I don't know what he wrote, but I cannot believe that Rabbi Wolby would think that if someone, a little kid runs across the street or curses his mother, that, that, that you should just talk, you should talk it, talk it out of him. For sure, for sure, I have a very good raya. And when I brought this raya from, um, say for Shmos, they said, that was then. That's not really what the Medrash meant. Well, I'm going to read you the Medrash. You'll tell me. You'll tell me. But anyway, let me just before I don't know. I went way off. Let me let me roughly Let me go back to um, 
thought it just bothered me so much. I was reading this article. I never read art. I never read articles, and I'm reading these articles, and I'm like, you're blaming parents that are not nice. There are such beautiful people out there that have such miserable kids that give them such a hard time, and they're the nicest people in the world. And I know the meanest people that mamish abuse their children, and the children are the most unbelievable, fantastic children. What does that mean? They're not nice. How could you say all rabbis are not nice? There are so many nice rabbis. So many not nice rabbis, maybe. Not so many, but there's, there are people, teachers out there that shouldn't be teachers. There's so many people that give up their life for kids, and you just, you just write that every, so every kid that's in the street means his rabbi is not nice, and his parents are not nice, that's fair. Maybe the kid is not nice. They didn't write that in the article. The guy, the rabbi wrote, the parents are not nice, and the rabbi is not nice. Not possible that the child's not nice. All children are nice? No. All children are not nice. A lot of children make fun and bully other children. And it has nothing to do with the Rebbe or their parents. So if a child's not nice, so you have to you have to work on him and you have to talk to him and you have to work on him. But you can't blame Kleistrol, kids off the derech, that the Rebbe is not nice. I'm sorry. And 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 listen, I have a school for kids that go through a hard time. So no one can say to me, well, you're, you're a tough guy. You, you know, you think everybody can just get up and walk. I don't think everyone can get up and walk, but I think that if I help you out, that maybe I could teach you how to walk. That's my job. I'm not saying that every child that goes through abuse and other things that is, that is his fault. I, I'm a, I'm a very big believer and could never do what I do. I don't believe in the word fault. It really is a stupid word. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. At the end of the day, your arm is broken. I'm the doctor. I gotta put it in a cast and fix it. I don't care if you broke it playing football, or you fell off your bicycle, or a baseball bat hit it, right? Of course, if you were abused, then we have to follow that up. But as far as the broken bone is concerned, my job is to get that bone back together in a cast so that, so that it heals. I'm, if I'm gonna sit all day and worry about why and how and who, so at the end of the day, whether the kid went through abuse, or it's trauma, or it's just other a bad friend or whatever it is, and a kid is suffering or a kid's off the derech, my job is to help this child. What caused it and all that? It's a separate it's a separate entity. If what caused it is still affecting it, then I have to fix what caused it. In other words, to, to take care of the symptoms and not the disease, that's that's totally wasting your time. But if that thing is gone and it's not continually happening, then I gotta take this child and I and I and I gotta help that child. And people who are busy busy, there's a lot of, every newspaper, Yatet, all these newspapers, there's people writing in, there's people writing out, and there's opinions, and therapists are writing, there's six therapists in this newspaper, and eight therapists in this newspaper, and the round table, and big tables, and small tables, and there's all kinds of opinions, and everybody has millions of opinions, and you know what? I don't meet them in the psych wars, I don't see all these people with opinions, I don't see them in the street, they're not, they're not next to me at two o'clock in the morning in the ambulance with the kids, where are you people? How come you're not supporting what I do? Where are you? You're writing, you're writing articles about being nice and about not being nice? Where are you? Where are all of you? So, everyone's busy with why. Oh, the kid's dying. We're going to let him die, but we're going to figure out why. He's bleeding to death. Give him stitches. No stitches till we find out who cut him. By the time you find out who cut him, he's dead. So everyone's very busy with articles and letters and discussions and radio stations and calling in and calling out and my opinion and this opinion. Meanwhile, 
it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And everyone's having opinions, and nobody's taking care of the problem. At the end of the day, so I, I'm, not, I'm not a person that looks at all these reasons. There's a mace mitzvah. you got to bury him. Who killed him and all that? That's Bezin's problem. But meanwhile, he's laying on the ground. I have to bury him. There's a kid that's suffering. I have to help them. If you're going to be busy the whole time, by the time you figure out how, figure out why, you lost the kid. It's another, it's, he, he fell another 20 steps. So, back to Rachli Menu. So she's saying, so how did I get into this whole thing? Rachli Menu is real. And everyone's trying to make the Torah into not real people. Right? Moshe, very real. And she says something here, right, which is, whoa. Medrash says it, I don't say it, or else uh, you, you wouldn't come to my share anymore, right? She says, I know, she didn't mean it, it doesn't really mean that, it means something else. I don't know what it means, I'm going to read what it says in the Medrash. Oh, Havani, She said, Yaakov loved me very much. And I'm human. And to give up my night of marriage, she wrote, Rachli Manu, today's yard site. She said it wasn't easy. Oh, Rachel was a Tadekistan. And she gave it up for her sister. And you know, whoever learns this is like, wow, what a Tadekistan. It didn't bother her. It shouldn't bother me. Nothing should bother me. I should be like Rachel Imenu. Really? It didn't bother her? Let's see what it says here. When the seven years were up and it came time to marry him, and my father said that I should. Give my sister the code. Okay? Listen to the Medrash. It was very hard for me. She's not saying, oh, no problem. Right? My sister. She's saying, the Medrash saying, Rachli Mingu said, I wanted to be married to Yaakov. This is very hard for me. This is a struggle. Yes, girls. You can be human, you can have emotions, and things that are right, sometimes, are hard. So Rachel Imein, who's your size today, said, very hard for me to do this. Not like we learned, like, she just did it, but she said it's very hard. Ad mo'id. Ki my husband, Yaakov Avinu, gave me a secret code. He gave me a secret code because he knew my father was a crook and he was going to make this flip. So he gave me a secret code to be able to tell Yaakov Avinu to make sure that's me. Listen to her. It's a beautiful measure. It's so important. Okay, so she's talking like a human being. Ula Acha came, so she, so she has a problem with this. So she said, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this switch with my sister. She went ahead and made up with Yaakov, a secret word, and love is not gonna pull this off. This is who I love, this is who, who, who worked for me for all these years. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving it up for my sister. But she thought about it. Ula Acha came, Nichamti Ba'atzmi, she said, I consoled myself. The Savalti is Tavasi. And I controlled my lust. Listen to this medrash. And I had pity on my sister. That she shouldn't be embarrassed. My sister, we did the switch. And I gave my sister all the secret 
codes that I told my husband. Kedei she and that, that he should think that it's, that it's me so that we'll, we'll be able to fool him. So first of all, she's saying like this. I want you all to know this was very hard. I loved, Yaakov loved me and I wasn't willing to give him up. And I went ahead and I made up a secret code so that my father's not going to pull this off, she said. But I worked on myself. That's the word she's saying. I worked on myself. I worked on myself. And I, and I restricted my lust. Tavasi is my taiva. I had to work to have Rachmanis on my sister. So she didn't just, big tzaddikis just said, okay. There's a lot of work that went here. And, and that's, we have, what? This is the, the Medrash is saying. This she said to herself, I guess. This is, I'm reading it straight from the Medrash, right? Now listen to this. Oh, she's saying this Takash Bahu. This is she's saying Takash Bahu to try to get Christ's role out of this whole destruction of the base of Megdish. So wait, listen to what she says. She says, Hashem, I gotta tell you more. Not just that. Shrachlimenu said, I went under the bed that they were in at the night of the wedding. Where Yaakov Avinu was with my sister. And when Yaakov Avinu spoke to my sister, she was quiet, she didn't answer. I answered from underneath the bed. Medrash. I'll call Davar on everything he asked her, because he was asking her the codes. So she said, I answered from underneath the bed. So he wouldn't, so he wouldn't hear the, my sister had a different voice than me. So he wouldn't hear her voice, he would hear my voice. And I did this favor for her. And I wasn't jealous of her. And I didn't take her out to be embarrassed. Now she says to Hashem, listen to this chutzpah. And Hashem, I'm just blood of flesh and blood. Off of the Afer. Just, just nothing. I'm dust. I wasn't jealous of my tzara. Tzara is a sister that marries, right? That's a, that's called a tzara. In other words, the, 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 uh, when there's two women, so they're tzaras to each other because they're both competing for the husband's attention. So she says, I wasn't jealous of my sister. And I didn't allow her to get to get embarrassed. And you, Hashem? You're the, the king, the everlasting king? Rachaman, who has pity? Why are you jealous of that they're serving idols? Shame by Mamish. These idols don't have any life, right? You set my children into Golos? And you kill them with a sword? And, and, and you're allowing the enemies to do whatever they want to them? Immediately, the Rachmanis, the pity of Hashem, came around. He said, Hashem said, because of you, he didn't listen to Abraham, he didn't listen to Yitzchak, he didn't listen to Yaakov, he didn't listen to Moshe Abbeinu. He said, because of you, Rachel, and Yimachos, he stole him, Kaimam, I will bring the Jews back to their place. As Yerubi says, Kaimam HaShem, Kol Baram Anishma, Nehi Bechit Amrum, Rachel Mavaka, Abaneha, Ma'anali, Nacham, Abaneri, Kinenu. So in the end, who did I encourage Rachel to listen to? Listen to Rachel Yimenu, who struggled to do what she did, but she had the right to say, Takarish Baruch that if I was able not to embarrass my sister and I wasn't jealous of her, 
you're God. Why are you jealous of a, of a bunch of idols that the, that the Jews are serving? Big deal. Why are you jealous of that? So when a person has the power to overcome their anger and overcome their jealousy, they have the power to, to, to be answered by a Kurdish Baruch Hu, where other people were not answered. Yes, didn't listen to Rachel had a good title. Rachel said, I was underneath the bed. I gave her the Simonim. I overcame my, my kinah. So I goes, Baruch, why can't you do the same? And she won the argument. She said, you're right. And I'll, I'll bring them back. Yes. It was a favor at his expense, but at the end of the day, she wasn't going to embarrass her sister. And the end, Yaakov got both of them. She worked another seven years. So I guess Rachel Meir knew him well enough to know that in the, huh? That he would understand that 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 she would have been embarrassed, and that's not what he would have wanted to happen. In the end, he wouldn't have wanted to happen, huh? You don't see anywhere ever in the Torah that Yaakov ever said to Rachel anything about this. Even the next, he, all he said was, "Okay, I, I'll I'll." Marry Rachel and I'll work another seven years. He never said, he never, never said to Rachel, you may know, like, why'd you do this? You don't see that at all. Maybe she, she understood that. In the end, she said to Yaakov, you know, listen, my father did this. I didn't do this. My father did this. And at the end of the day, he was going to do the switch. And you would have, it would have been Leia and it would have been a very big embarrassment. And I did this because I didn't want my sister to be embarrassed. She, Leia was the oldest sister. She knew who Yaakov was a big tzaddik. So Yaakov didn't know they were going to do the switch. But maybe if Yaakov knew that Lovin was going to do this, he also would have said, you know, I, I, he, he, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't know. But he never said, I, don't, I mean, in the Torah, if you look it up, it doesn't say one word. He, say, he never said a word to Rachel about it. What? She made the signs. Together. So, 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 right. So he thought that, he knew Lovin's a crook. I don't know if he knew that Lovin was going to switch Leia even, but who was going to switch? You know, the guy talked to the two, two sides of his mouth. So he, something's going to happen here. Something not, something unexpected is going to happen. Okay, let me go, let me go to, um, it's, it's, it's late. I got a little carried away there in the beginning. I want, I want to read you something from, um, the first Medrash Rabbah in Pasha Shmos. And he says the following. I'll get to the, uh, the main point. Again, I'm not, for corporal punishment. And I'm not saying you should sit there and beat your kids. You definitely cannot hit your kids once they're old enough to hit you back. Because it's naively see to michshol. No, it's a halacha. Because if you're going to hit a kid that's going to hit you back, he's going to be chay misa. The child hits his parents, he's chay misa. So you don't want that to happen. So when a child's old enough that he'll hit you back, it, 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 even in Hilchis Kibbutz of Aim, it says, you're not allowed to hit a child. Or Rebbe's not allowed to hit a child once he hits the edge that he can hit you back. That's for sure. Because you're, you're, you're putting you in a position to be chay misa and nobody would want to do that. Okay, it says the following. A person who spears the rod. Why does the, why does the Pasuk say that in, in Mishle, Shlomo Melech wrote this, that a person who, who hates his son spears the rod. Right? To teach you, A person who holds himself back from Mardis. Mardis means makas. The, the, the new wave wants to translate it, it means criticism. But the HJ safe on the word Mardis says 
Makos. So I don't know how you want to turn that, but Makos means Makos, right? I, I, by the way, had two therapists my whole life. I did. I had two therapists. My father's right hand and my father's left hand. With two therapists. I try not to see them both at one time. If I could. But, but that's what he says. Mardos, Makos, right? In the end, you think that you're not going to give him a little Makos. He's going to love you and then he's going to hate you. How, how do you see that? Shekem Atzinu be Yishmol. We see in Yishmol. He caused trouble, and Avram didn't muster him. Okay, Rido means really hits him, but we can translate Rido if you want to mean he didn't. He didn't. He didn't criticize him. We got to the Tavas Ra, and Yishmael went off to Derech, and he ended up hating um, Avram. And in the end, in the end, what happened? Avram didn't give him muster. Avram threw him out. Ended up throwing him out. Right, Garasham. Okay. So that was Avraham Avinu. What? No, actually, Sarah, actually, Sarah said to throw him out. He asked the Kashbok. Hashem said, "Listen to him." But in the end, Avraham Avinu threw him out without any, without anything. He had no no food. One day of food. Amen. All right. So that didn't work out too good. Fine. Now he goes on. Maha Yisayfei. What was the end of Yishmael? Kishigersha, when he threw him out, Yeshua Prashna Drachim, he used to live at the intersections of the ways. And he ripped people off. He stole from people. Okay. Kiyaitzabai, says the Medrash. Another such case. I can't say that the Medrash says this. Ayav, Yitzchak is Esav. Yitzchak loved Esav. The Fichach Yatzel Tavas Ra. Esav went off the Derek. Ashalai Rido. Didn't criticize him either. If Yitzhak would have criticized Esau, according to the Medrash, he wouldn't have gone off the Derech. As we see that he did the five worst of Eris on the day that Abraham Avinu died, Esau went off the Derech, and he did, he was, he raped a Nara Murasa, he killed a person, he killed, I think, Nimrod for his coat, he was Kafa B'Tchias Mason. he said there's nothing to do with Mason. his grandfather Abraham died, Kafa B'Ikr, he said he doesn't believe in Hashem, he's atheist, Ubizetha B'Chaira, five. And not only that, he was waiting, he couldn't wait till his father Yitzhak died. Yitzhak was very nice to him. Yitzhak never criticized him. He couldn't wait till Yitzhak died. He said, I can't wait till my father dies, because if my father dies, I could kill Yaakov. So that didn't work out, not criticizing him. Okay? Onward. What? It's not so simple that he didn't know. Not so simple that he didn't know. The bottom line is, if the measure is saying he didn't, he didn't criticize him, he must have had something to criticize him, right? Okay, onward. David didn't criticize Avshalom. He didn't, uh, he didn't, I guess, hit him, right? Um, he didn't give him Musr, right? So he went to Tabasra, we know Avshalom tried to kill his father. And in the, he was shachab in Pilakshav, and he slept with his Pilakshim. He did a lot of bad things, right? And many thousands of Jews died because of him, right? And he ended up running away. The Mizmah of Dovah, when he ran away from Avshalom, right? It's so hard when a kid goes off in a person's house, it's worse than the Muhammad of Gagamaga that's going to happen by Mashiach. 
when a kid goes off the deck in someone's house. It's mamish, it ruins the whole house. The Chayetuba asked the Dabadiniyol, I had the Niyol, like Shalevi Dabi Yisurim. He didn't give him, he didn't give him Yisurim. He didn't yell at him. The Legarba, he didn't give him Musr. And he was also, was, ended up very, very bad. So, we see here, Esav, Yishmael, Avshalom, and Adoniyahu, according to the Medrash, right? That his father, their fathers did not give them Musr, and therefore, they went off, um, no Yisurim, they went off to Derech. Now, the Medrash says, let's look at all the guys that went on the Derech. So he says, you should give a Musr um, because if you give a child Musr in the end he'll be fixed so he says that Avram did criticize Yitzchak a lot right and he ended up becoming becoming Yitzchak okay and then you see that Yitzchak, listen to this. Yitzchak gave a lot of Musa to his son Yaakov. Look how he ended up. Right? He, all his children, he had 12 Shvatim, and all of them were perfect. Later on, could you get me a Malachim, Aleph? That should be easy to find. What I want to show you, Malachim Aleph, is that Shlomo Melech, I know it says it here somewhere, but I don't know which, which measure it says. But Shlomo Melech, the first morning of the Beis HaMikdash, when it opened up, he woke up late. He woke up late for the opening of the Beis HaMikdash. And I'm going to read it for you inside the Navi, that the Eim HaMalchus, whoever she was, and I'll tell you who she was, tied in her son to her grandson, her great-grandson, Shlomo Melech. Okay, with the Melech, he built the base of English. She tied him to a pole, and she whipped him. And she said, this, this is what I gave my life for, that my grandson or my son, depending if it was Rus or if it was his, or if it was his mother, that he should wake up, he was, he was with Basparo that night, whatever, but he should wake up late, the, the morning of the, and she gave him Schleck, she gave him Marcus, she whacked him. And he said to her, Shlomo Melech, not a little kid, right? And he said to her, thank you very much for doing that. So, we, again, you want to tell me this Medrash was written for them and it's not for us? The Medrash is written for us. The Medrash is very clearly, if you don't criticize your children, you don't tell them where it's at, and, 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 and you don't give them Yisurim, the word is Yisurim, which means pain, you don't punish them and you don't do these things, they're going to go off the derech. According to according to this medrash, to say that Esav went off, so Lemaisa it doesn't say here you should beat your children to a pulp. That's not what it says. Or should you abuse them? But we see for the medrash very clearly, first medrash most, and you know, and and I presented this, and and they're like, it's not really what it means. It's what it means. Don't change what it means. Don't change the Torah. It's what it means, and and it's for our day and age. You just you just can't hit people out of anger and out of frustration. And, and there's, there, there's just times for criticism. And if, if someone, if someone knows that they're being loved, they have no problem being criticized. And if someone doesn't think they're being loved, then you can't criticize them about anything. You can't just walk in and, 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 and give criticism. And, and that's the derech 
That's the Dorcha Torah, and the Torah has two sides to it. There's a Ganadim, but there's a Gehenim. And, 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 and there's reward, but there is Abba Mises Bezdin, and there, there is the Torah is full of, full of punishments. Not punishment, I'll call punishments. Consequences. There are consequences. I don't know why we are so scared. We are so scared in this generation of consequences. Consequences. You get in front of a car that's going 80 miles an hour, and you stand in front of him, you're going to get killed. The guy doesn't hurt. This guy's not punishing you. He's not angry at you, right? But there's consequences, and we don't have we don't have consequences. Everyone just do whatever you want, and God forbid anybody should say anything wrong or to somebody. And here, I want to I want to read this to you what what happened when he when he slept late. So he finished the base on Migdash. I'm not saying Lashon Hara on Chas Shalom on Shlomo Amelech, but it's very important. To the end when he finishes. People learn how they built the space and made it just unbelievable what it must have looked like. The whole... I think it's precious. And this was the wisest man in the world. And he got pitch. He got pitch. Here we go. No, I have to find a plastic that he woke up late. Alright, anyway, maybe it missed the ship next week, I'll read you the plastic. But he woke up late and he got patched. And he said thank you. It's on the word. I'll find it next week. What? I'm not telling you to say thank you for Patch. It's interesting, Rabbi. If I do say for her, every time you came to him, the more you closely, you closely worked to him, the harder he got smacked. Anybody ever get a smack from Rabbi Yosef? Yeah. Shh. I did it. I never met him. I never met him. I had one chance. You see, you think. For one chance a wealth told me I'll take you in and I'm like ah, I go a different time I had something else to do yeah you gotta hop around when you can okay I, I don't know I don't know the passage I have to find it yes okay we'll find that anyway I want to end with a amazing by the way, it just happens to be if you ever get the book of Leila Shabbat, on this week, on this week, he talks about that there's a Pasik in Vayera, a very interesting Pasik. It's um eighteen nineteen. It's it talks about Avraham Avinu and it says I'm sure you've heard this before. Um it's eighteen nineteen, it's eighteen nineteen. So like the Rabram Haya 
Avram's going to be to a great nation. Hashem says, Because I know. The reason that all this is going to happen, because I know that you will be mechanech. You're going to be mechanech of your children, your household, and everyone else that's going to come out of you. Because Baruch said, I'm doing this all for you, because you are going to, because of your children, because of the generations that are going to come after you. This is my favorite story. I've, I've never said the story in Chabura, but I've said the story in class, and I, I just can imagine that, who this kid was. But this is a, a fantastic story. So there was a, there's a, so it talks, he, he has a lot on, on Chinuch, and we don't have time, but he has a lot of Chinuch, and he says that, um, let no parent ever say, see what kind of kid I have, see how bad he is, right? Because, because Lamaisa, because Baruch Hu says, I know that if you're gonna bring up your children correctly, I know that it's gonna turn around. Right. So he says the following story. There was, um, there was a boy who was very, very restless. He's one of these ADHD guys jumping around all the time. And, and, and he was in Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And everyone knew that he was a big troublemaker. And the Yeshiva really didn't want to keep him. They wanted to get rid of him. But they had to wait till he did something drastic. So one day, um, one of the teachers entered the shul in the Yeshiva and in the Cheder and he heard Weird noises coming out of the Aron HaKadosh. So he went over and he opened up the Aron HaKadosh. And what's inside the Aron HaKadosh? A goat. It's a true story. A goat. So everyone knew right away, who put a goat in the Aron HaKadosh? There's only one kid in the school that's taking a goat and putting him in the Aron HaKadosh. So they brought him in front of the principal. And he confessed. He said, yeah, I did it. I took a goat and I put him... I think it's very cute, but whatever. But you know, I took a goat and I put him in there. I put him there on a kodesh. So on the spot, they decided, you're out of here. I mean, have a nice day. They're expelling him. And the kid said, I'm not leaving. He said, we're throwing out of yeshiva. He said, I'm not leaving yeshiva. So he's rooted on the spot. And the principal said, out. And he's like, no. The principal was like, out. And he said, no. So... The kid says to the principal, this is godless. He says, you want to throw me out? You have to bring me to Besdin. You have three Dayanim? Three, three, I just told the story to a bunch of girls today. I said, you have three Dayanim? And they paskin? You could throw me out? You could throw me out. The principal's like, what? Let me take you to, I'll take you out, fine. Besdin, Eretz Yisrael, they're not going to throw a kid out and put a goat in the, in, in, in our Akadish? Fine. They go to Besdin with this kid. So, they come before Bezdin, and he says to the principal in front of Bezdin, unbelievable, he says, what you're planning to do is to kick me out of school will affect not only me, it will also affect the children I will have in a number of years when I get married and I have a home of my own. Did you consult with my children before you made the decision to throw me out of yeshiva? Did you speak to my children? Did you get permission from them? Because if you're affecting my children, you have to get reshifts from them. That's what he said to Bezdin, to the principal in front of Bezdin. The principal heard this, he was like, what? Well, he never heard such a thing. So they've never been, Bezdin never heard a kid talk like this. So they had no answer. So Bezdin said, if he's thinking about the chenich of his children, and that you're affecting I think this is the kind of guy you should leave in his yeshiva. Okay? So, 
they left him in yeshiva. It says many years later, there was a um, in Eretz Yisrael there was a very big gadol, and um, his he his this gadol was was like a very young protege, and he was engaged, and um, his father was a mechanic and a very big a very big tamachacham, and he got up to talk to the people that were there, and he said, I just want to let you know. I want you to, you have to hear this crazy story about this kid who got up, who put a goat, in the, and he got up and he said, you can't throw me out unless you discuss it with my children because it's going to reflect them. And he said, I want you to know that I am the grandson of, of that mischievous kid. I'm his grandson who put the guy, who put the, who put the goat into the, into the, and, 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 and he said, look what came out of it. It came out big and I don't know, it doesn't say who they were. But it came out big dilem from this kid who put the, because why? Because the kid was saying, like, you can't throw me out because you, you can't, you have to ask permission from the other people that are involved. Those are my kids. I think it's like a, the most godless, thicker story for anybody who goes into chinuch. That, that when you look at a child and you want to throw them out of school or whatever you want to do to them, that you have to take into, into consideration that, um, that, they, that this person is going to have children one day and um, you're going to affect those children you're going to affect those grandchildren and therefore you have to take them into consideration and that's real chenach one more short story I know it's very late but I haven't been here in a long time so this is a new sefer that came out from Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein it's called the Harav Na it's a very interesting sefer on the Pasha it really talks mostly about halacha there's a fascinating, you know, I always talk about it, I didn't talk about it tonight, about, about Avraham Avinu and the second look and, and the chesed and everything. It's a very short, I want to tell you something really um, amazing that he writes on Pasha Vayera. It's a little short story in the beginning of Pasha Vayera about chesed. And he says the following story. So I talk about Vayar, it says twice Vayar in the first part, in the second passage, and there's the first look you see the cup with the money in it, and the second look, you see the cup connected to the hand of the person. You know, I was, I was telling teachers, the first look, you look at a short skirt and the girl in the street, and you're like, she's a bum and a lowlife, and how could she be like that? But the short skirt's connected to a human being, and the human being has a neshama, and that neshama's part of Hashem. And if you look at a person like that, your reaction will be very, very different. So the first look is, the first look, the person standing on top of you, you just see the facts, you just see what you see. The second look is vayar vayarat zlekroslam. The second look, when you check the second look at the person, you realize that the facts are not just what it's all about. And if you realize that, then vayarat zlekroslam, then you can run to meet them and to help them. And I talk about that always. The two vayars of Avramavino. He says a neiridika, a neiridika, um, a story here. And he says that um, that his father. Um, this is a story about, by, by, was written by Rav Avram Khan. And he says his father, Rav Yantav Akoyen Khan, was a kind-hearted and extraordinarily wealthy member of the Jewish community in Prague. And he had a beautiful house with the most elegant furniture and a large staff of maids. He was very wealthy. And the custom in Prague was that the guests who needed a place to eat, which the custom in all the shtetls in Europe, was that Friday night, the people who were guests or poor people would line up in the back and as people would leave the shul they would take people that are lined up in the back with them home so they would take the poor people or someone from out of town and, and they would take them home so the communities would you know so they would they would always everybody who was leaving would take one or two guests his father would deliberately wait around until the shul until everybody had left 
so that he could invite the guests that had been left over. Who were the guests that were left over that nobody wanted? He knew that most people were more inclined to invite guests with a, ple- ple- a pleasant, clean- cleanly appearance, and the poorest and neediest were often left behind. They smelled, they were full of lice. So, so the people who left early, they, the first people, they took the, the nice guests. And he waited until everybody left, and he took whatever was left. He said that sometimes he came home with guests that were filthy and smelly from all their travels, and very often their clothes and hair were infested with lice. He says, after, my, after Shabbos, my father's domestic health had a hard time cleaning the expensive furniture from the stains left by these bedraggled guests. Why must he invite such unseemly guests, the servants would often wonder. But my mother never complained. Never once did I hear her ask why he would bring, why he couldn't bring home more respectable guests. To the contrary, she also commiserated with their plight and tried to lift their spirits by honoring and indulging them as much as possible. Listen, this is negative. He says, when the, when, when the Nazis came and invaded Pressburg, so they, his father was brought to the concentration camp. And he, he ended up in a very bad one called Nothausen concentration camp. And he, after he was liberated, he used to always tell everybody, he said, I have to tell you that there was a miracle that happened to me in this concentration camp. He says that the inmates of the concentration camp suffered from a chronic infest, infestation of lice that nobody escaped. They slept crowded together on the same bunks with the lice crawled freely from one person to the next. Yet my father survived the entire war in this concentration camp without once having been touched by a louse, by one lice. My father attributed this miracle to his having opened his house to hundreds of poor and filthy guests without ever having raised an objection to their lice. Hashem rewarded him in equal measure by protecting him from lice throughout the war. Never, everybody was infested and scratching and itching and bitten and infested. And he went through the whole war. Never, ever a lice ever touched him. Mida connected Mida. Because he did chesed for the people who nobody else wanted to do chesed for. Kishbaruch whitened his shoulder, as it says. And that's, that's the chesed that Avram, Avram Avinu. The first vayah, sure, you want the, the, the guest that's clean and smells good and looks good and maybe you can make a shidduch with them and maybe you can do some business with them. And, and nobody wanted the poor people with all the lice. But Lamaisa, he was protected. Because if he took the people with the lice, then the lice themselves can't hurt him. Because they're Hakadosh Baruch Hu's creatures, and if he if he was willing to help the people that had the lice, then of course the lice could not hurt them. So there's there's a, there's a lot of secrets in this week's parsha, and and the, the 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 thing that I want to I want you to walk away with is that that first of all, of course, Avraham Avinu, um, and and that that to learn from Rachli Meir that she was very human, and she had feelings, and she worked on herself, and she got in touch with herself and in the end because she was able to overcome those feelings she saved the whole cholesterol every person you need I talk to you about this all the time you need to go into yourself and spend time with yourself and learn the things about yourself and overcome the bad things about yourself and that person has to work and that when it comes to the chinuch of your children you have to love them there's nothing they must know that you love them unconditionally but part of loving a child unconditionally is the ability to criticize them and the ability to tell them when they're doing something wrong and once in a while they should never walk, run into the street and they should never talk to your wife that way and they should never do anything that deserves a potch but if they do then once in a while, if they deserve a patch, 
not the worst thing in the world, even though the whole world is so, is so much against it. Again, you don't have to hit a child hard. If, if somebody loves you, and you know that somebody loves you, the greatest patch, the great, greatest patch is when you let that person down. There are boys in the, there are people in this room that just came to the shear that don't really know me. And there are some people in this shear that I'm very close to that have been my tummy them for a very, very long time. If they would say something wrong to me that they needed a patch, I don't have to, to wind up and slap them. If I just gave them a little tap, they would understand that where I'm coming from. It's not, you don't have to hurt the person. It's not what it's about. So I think what the Rambam was saying is that if you love a child and you show them how much you love them, th- then the, the, the patch could be, Shayfullah, you shouldn't have done that. Like that, that's it. That's it. But to, to get hit, even that softly, from someone that, that you want him to hold you in the highest esteem, that, that'll make him cry more than when you meet a kid who has no relationship with you. He's not going to cry. I mean, I was a smart kid altogether. Before my father even hit me, I started crying. So he had nothing to hit. He was like, stop crying. I can't hit you if you're crying. And I'm like, crying already. He's like, I can't hit you. You're crying already. I was very smart. But there were other kids who wouldn't cry no matter how much they get it. But a person has to, has to use your senses. And, and we are not, in my opinion, we are not any different. We are treating our kids different. But, but the kids that are, are born today are just as tough and just as smart, maybe even smarter. And, and you got and you got to give them that credit. And anytime you work, you're dealing with children, you have to understand what this child said. And that is, you can't just judge me. You have to judge all the generations that are coming after me. And if a person does that, I am sure that amidst Hashem, you will not have any problems with your children. You should all have healthy children and good children. And Tamid Chachamim. And Bezrat Hashem. We should see Mashiach from Amen. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.